Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Matthew chapter 18, verse 18 and 20. The scripture says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, say it with me, I bind. He's talking to people. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, say whatever I loose. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them. By my Father... You have a heavenly father that loves you. Some of you have lost your dad. Some of you didn't know your father. Some of you grew up and forgot about what it was like because your your, your daddy went so, when you were so young, that happened to me. I didn't know what it was. I don't know what it is to have an earthly father, but I do know what it is to have a heavenly father. So you're not without excuse. I'm telling you, he loves you so much. He loves you so much. So, So it's all done by your father. In heaven, everyone say, in heaven. For I, for, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I, there, I am there in the midst of them. You're not by yourself. You're with him. He is with you. He is always with you, always with you. Someone bless this service today one more time. Now you pray. Come on, lift up your voice. Ask God to anoint me. Ask God to anoint you. Ask God to set the atmosphere for you. You speak it now. Release it. Just release it, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you. You're so good to us, Father. You're so good to us. Thank you, God, for this sermon. Thank you for this lesson. We're going to learn today, Father. We're going to learn today. We're going to prosper. We're going to prosper. We're going to prosper in our life. We undo the works of darkness. We speak against every foul spirit every manipulative spirit, every demonizing spirit, all things that would try to hinder the work of God. Even in this house right now, we clear the atmosphere. We say in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let light come and darkness go. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. 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 You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Thank you for coming to church. Thank you for worshiping God. Thank you for being you. Let me begin by making the statement and referencing this this portion of Scripture. As a believer, as a believer, you hold the key to advancing God's kingdom. God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. You hold the key. The first key that was given to the apostles was the revelation that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, would be the Savior of the world. By revelation, he gave it to Peter. Peter said, thou art the Son of God. He said, you're right, Peter. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Other religious organizations have considered that rock to be Peter, but Peter was known as a Cephas, small stone, not the big cornerstone that will be built upon that rock, but it was Jesus Christ, the revelation of who he was that was simply going to be 
what they needed to unlock the kingdom of God. Everything, everything good, everything that helps us advance comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He must be Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. God doesn't want a part-time girlfriend. God wants a wife. God doesn't want somebody to flirt with. God wants somebody to be intimate with. The Spirit of God is meant for an intimate relationship. That's why we come into church and we give ourselves over to the presence of God as we feel it. We surrender ourselves to God. This is why coming to church is so very important. Being a part of a spirit-filled church is very, very important where you can lift your hands and no one judges you, where you can express yourself and no one looks at you crazy, where you can make a tear. If you, you got to shed a tear, you shed a tear because you feel the love of God and no one's going to judge you for it. You must worship the Lord in liberty and in freedom, and he who the Son has set free is free indeed. And so... You hold the key to the kingdom of God and destroying also the works of the enemy. That is your responsibility. That, that responsibility has been given to you and I. This text really speaks of when it talks about whatever you loose and whatever you bind, heaven is in complete agreement with it when you do it in the earth. This text really is really uh, comprised of the legalities and the technicalities in the kingdom of God that's related to your authority in this world. You must understand that you have authority in this world. You do. You have authority. You are God's official agent here on the earth. Therefore, whatever you allow, heaven allows. Whatever you disallow, heaven will disallow. Whatever you allow in the spirit will manifest itself in the physical. Whatever you disallow in the spirit cannot manifest in this world or your world or relationships or your finances or your business or anything. But you are the gatekeeper. You are the official representation of the kingdom of God. God has put that responsibility on us. If you're writing notes, write this down. If it's in my life, I've allowed it. If it stays in my life, I allow it. If I don't have something, I need to allow it. I know that's simple. But I'm not talking about just how life happens. You can get so analytical about this that you think everything in theory, everything through calculation, everything by numbers, everything by consequences of events. Yes, there are, consequ there are consequences to everything that we do. There's a chain of events. But in the spirit world, you operate by faith, not by theory. You operate by faith, and whatever you allow, see, most of the torment and most of the problems that we deal with, we can disallow at any time. You can tolerate something for so long just because 
You know, some people in their personality, they have a high tolerance for things. You're long-suffering, or you're not recognizing that this is a source that's ungodly or comes from darkness and that comes into your life to hinder your prosperity. I mean, I'm telling you, spirits of depression, if a pill doesn't fix it, it's not your chemistry, it's a spirit. If prayer fixes it, and you're and you should, listen, here's what you got to do. The prescription for getting out of depression, really, if it's spiritual, it's just simply having a relationship with Jesus Christ, a trusting, loving relationship with Jesus Christ. That right there, folks, will handle a lot of problems. He is the great counselor. He's called the counselor for a reason. And so God wants us to understand the power behind two principal uh, war weapons, if you will. Prayer and the Word of God. This is not my point, but I'm leading to it. So write this down, if you will. Write this down. Prayer and the Word of God, the combination of the two. Prayer and the Word of God, the combination of the two, provide the one-two punch that will knock the devil out of your life. Prayer and the Word of God, the combination of the two, provide the winning punch to knock out the devil from your life, from your family, your business, ministry, community, and even the nation and this city. And this city. There are more witches in this city than you know. I've discovered websites. I've seen, I, I, know, I know who they are even. I got some little techies behind my, in my team. People that know how to figure that stuff out. But this is what I do know, that no weapon formed against us can prosper. And when the church gets a revelation, when the church gets an understanding, when the church starts to understand their responsibility, it is our responsibility to give our heart to Jesus so he can drive those forces back so we can see our families be blessed and see other families come into the kingdom. How many of you want to see your whole family in church? I'm telling you. The perspective of your authority and your position in Christ will make the difference in your prayer life. The perspective that you have of your position and authority in Christ Jesus will have a major influence in your prayer life. Because you can pray from an earthly perspective or you can pray from the perspective that I am seated with him in heavenly places far above all principality, power, dominion, and darkness. That's the difference. It begins right here. Somebody has to start getting the reality that you have to start telling yourself, you have to start beginning to get the word of God in your mind and start believing this word. I'm telling you right here, this word will not fail. But even though it was written by flawed human beings of imperfection, if God in this scripture used a donkey, God could have used Peter, James, John, Luke. He could have used anyone here, David, Solomon, Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, he could have used any single person like Ruth, who was nowhere near the lineage of Jesus Christ, use anybody who's willing to be inspired by the Holy Spirit and simply repeat what God is saying. Yeah. 
This book is a book of inspiration of people that have documented history that has been recorded, recorded with exactly what God has done, and the word stands sure. In fact, Jesus quoted this Bible so many times he quoted the scripture. But when we begin to give the Bible and give it its liberty to teach us, there are so many examples. We're going to look at some examples of how prayer changes the whole na- how, how prayer changed the whole nation, and another example of how prayer silenced the enemy. So point number one, here's what I want you to write down. And point number one, effectual prayer produces supernatural results. Effectual prayer produces supernatural results. One of our examples in this portion of Scripture is Elijah. Elijah, 1 Kings 17 and 1 says, the Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, underline that, write that down, before whom I stand. That means he was constantly at the Lord's beck and call. He was constantly giving the Lord attention. He had constantly learned how to stand before the Lord. And being uh, in that position, disposition of standing really is given an example of the principle of your, in your life, in your conviction. Because what you stand for, what you stand for is what you are allowing to advance in your life. What you stand against is what you're disallowing. And so he stood before the Lord. There shall not be dew. He said, there's not going to be dew or rain these years according to whose word? Somebody read that out. According to whose word? My word. Now, he's taking possession of the word that God gave him. So he's just repeating it. But I think we need to make it very clear he had to speak it and release it in order for it to take place. It was his word. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, hey, your words make a difference. What you say makes a huge difference. Watch what you say. Watch what you say. No matter how you feel, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're experiencing, you have to realize power of life and death is in the what? It's in the tongue. So sometimes the devil will give you feelings of emotions and feelings of depression and feeling of fear. And the worst thing you can do is two things, not say anything or repeat what you're feeling. Because sometimes we think about it's what we're saying, but most of the time it's what you're not saying. Because fear will paralyze you. Fear will cause you to sit down and not stand up or cause you to lie down. Fear will cause you to lie down and have the, and you won't say a thing because you think that, okay, uh, silence is golden. Not in this situation. Somebody has to say something. Somebody has to say something. Release it. If we are created in the image of God, and God formed the earth out of his words, guess what? You're going to have to form your world out of your words, but they have to be God-inspired. We're not talking about optimism, humanistic thinking. We're not talking about the, uh, the, just to feel good 
and, you know, be positive. Not the power of positive. This is not the power of positive thinking. We're going into and talking about spirit-filled words that you release. And so Elijah had all the authority of heaven behind him when he pronounced judgment over Ahab's kingdom. He had all the authority. He had the God-given right to speak. And when he pronounced judgment, you see, they had disgraced God. That's why he pronounced it. They disgraced God and had given themselves over to idol worship. Idol worship, idol worship began from a pagan belief that when they created an idol, when someone creates an idol, they invite spirits to come and they believe that spirits will inhabit or be there around the idol. Therefore, they believe that power is in the idol as they worship the idol. Then the spirits do move and they advance. This was something that took place way back in the days of Babylon, at Babylon with Nimrod. I'm going to blow your mind right now, and you do the research, but don't take my word for it. The story behind that is witchcraft really began in heaven. Witchcraft, you can write this down. This is good stuff. I'm going to share this with you. Witchcraft began in heaven when Lucifer rebelled against God. It was the spirit of witchcraft, write this down, is a spirit of manipulation and lies. Manipulation. And what did Satan do in the heavens? He manipulated to try to tell the other angels that if you worship me and come with me, I'm going to be like God. Where did that witchcraft go from there? He cast them down into the earth. Where did the witchcraft take place next? Deception, manipulation in the Garden of Eden. When God went to Eve and said, if you'll eat from the tree, God doesn't want you to eat from the tree because you'll become like him. Again, it's all about people and their minds becoming empowered and becoming as God. When folks, you and I, are already in the image of God, being a son of God. We have power with God. Why would we allow anybody to gain our ego and take our pride to make us think that we are gods ourselves? And that's the problem. Everybody wants to be a god. Did you know the main source of Satanism is self-worship? It is. One of the doctrines is uh, do as thy wilt. Do as thy will, whatever you want to do, whatever feels good, whatever brings pleasure, do it. You're your own God. Well, let me simply address this. Elisha, he saw the idol worship. He dealt with it. And then it was all a matter of time before he prayed. Let me, can I add on to that, what I just said about idol worship? Do you want to hear some more? Are y'all sure? Raise your, I'm, you got to respond, guys. This, I got to see. You want to hear some more about this, the origination of this witchcraft business? This, all this stuff, you do the study. And then from the garden, it ended up in Babylon, 
And there was a man by the name of Nimrod, and he had a mother. And did you know that Nimrod brought idol worship into the land? And did you know that later on, Nimrod married his mother? It was, I'm telling you right now, weird, incest. And when Nimrod married his mother, when Nimrod died, his mother made him a god, and she began to propagate, and she began to start the worship of the sun, the worship of the sun and other idols, and then it migrated to different regions all around that same philosophy of idols. And so they made idols, they made statues to worship. That's why when God gave law to Moses, he said, don't make anything to worship an idol, anything in the heavens, anything in the earth, or beneath the earth, because that was part of the paganistic worship. And now there's a religion. I'm going to say this. I may offend somebody, but I got to tell you the truth. Now you'll see, and they sell this, and I have the video, and I put it on our family church channel, on our family page, and you can see it in this shop. There's a guy, how many of you saw the video from Johnny Ramirez that I showed? If you have it, go check him out. He went into a place that sold witchcraft idols. And in that witchcraft, you saw the same idols and statues that you see in a certain denominal church and the same candles. And one of those idols, one of those idols is a woman. I'm going to say it, the Virgin Mary who's holding baby Jesus and has a son behind her head. When they made those idols, I'm telling you right now, I'm not trying to knock anybody because I came out of the Catholic Church and I just said it, so Lord forgive me. But I love the people, but I was raised in it so I know what I'm talking about because I did the research myself. I wanted to understand the religion. I wanted to understand all of this. And we've accepted these things. But those idols... They're not from God. And they're given and they're used in witchcraft today by people as a hoax for spirits that came from Babylon, the Nimrod spirit, the Babylonian spirit. They're infused to infuse works of darkness. And when people are given these things, they are now recipients of things that are not from God. And they, listen, God will show you. God will give you in discernment. God will give you these things. But don't be ignorant, folks. A lot of the religious things that people uh, uh, practice in this world today, they're not from God. They're man-made. But that's why we're people of faith. I don't need to have an idol to worship Jesus. I don't need an idol. I don't believe. Listen, and for what it's worth, for what it's worth, and the day of Pentecost when the 120 were there in the upper room, Mary was there too, and she had to receive the Holy Ghost, and she had to be baptized, and she had to go through the same process that everyone else went through. So Mary is not a God. And you don't go, I know this is tough, son. I know. I'm going to tell you, this is not church growth sermons right here, but it is protection. It is protection. Because many of you came up in that religion, and I understand it. But you have to understand these things. You, we need to stop being so ignorant of everything and stop, stop saying to ourselves, oh, we all believe in the same God. No, we do not. 
No, we do not. My God is Jesus Christ. And I do not worship a baby. I worship the spirit of the living God. Okay, I know that sounds harsh. I'm being very kind about it. But I'm being honest with you. I'm trying to educate you, help you understand. A lot of the things that take place in this world are made up from man, inspired by demons and things that are there. That's why in Christianity, the history tells us that Christianity was taken over by the Roman Empire and they were infused together, and that's where you have all these idols that came in. Okay, I'm moving on. You ready to move on? Okay, was this, is this okay? Am I still your pastor? <laughs> I need a job. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so James chapter 17 says that you'll find the secret to the power of Elijah. Elijah was a man like us, but he prayed earnestly, earnestly. And James 5 and 16 says that we confess our trespasses to one another and pray for one another that we may be healed. I personally don't believe that this is this constitutes all of us to going to one man to confess it, to forgive. This is talking about an agreement and a struggle that you may be having and fighting a battle that there's power in coming together with the believer. But this isn't all the time because if you fail, if you've fallen short, there's only one advocate and one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus Christ. That's Jesus Christ. But it says the effect. Effective, everyone say the effective. Fervent, everyone say fervent. Fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That was the secret to Elijah's prayer. So Elijah did just not do it on a whim and said, oh, you know what? He didn't have that kind of influence and power in his life where he, he just said, you know, lights out. or No more rain. He didn't have that kind of power. What it was, Elijah went into prayer and he prayed earnestly. Then he released what he received in prayer later. Earnestly. Earnestly released it. Here's my point, and here's what you have to realize in this first point. You have to be, to be effective in prayer, you must be into it with all your body, soul, and spirit. Put your heart into your prayers because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. First of all, we are righteous because of the blood of Jesus. Secondly, if you're believing God can and God will, how would you respond if God said, I'm going to give you the responsibility to release it, but you must believe that I am a deliverer. You must believe that I am a healer. You must believe that I am a blesser. I'm the one who provides for you. And how would you do it through your prayer and the excitement that would be there if you knew that through your prayers, God was going to answer, move in your world, deliver your family, deliver your friends, move and provide the miracle. What would you act like? Where would your emotional level be? Because i got to be honest with you, and I'm not picking on anybody, okay? I'm not picking on you, but I have to teach you, and I have to show you something. This ain't going to cut it. (laughs) 
I was going to, but I didn't do it. God, Lord Jesus, help me. I'm going to get so much flack for this. Anyways, you meditated. That's what you did. <laughs> you just meditated. <laughs> it's good to meditate on the Word of God to sustain your thinking. But the Scripture says, pray. And praying, where I come from, is when you open up your mouth and you start talking to God and you start getting fervent in a conversation with God and you start believing what God says and you start claiming. When you talk to the devil, are you going to say, oh, yes, um, Mr. D, can you please move or leave me alone? Leave my family alone, please. I'm tired of you bothering me. I'm mad at you right now. I'm not talking to you no more. <laughs> you think you're going to get results like that? I mean, listen, when your husband makes you mad, do you talk to him like that? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Sir, if somebody was trying to break into your house and steal, kill, and destroy your family, what level would your emotions be on? I'm asking you a question. What level, sir, would your emotions be at? Because that's the level you need to have in prayer when you start speaking to the enemy and start releasing the word of God. Can't be patty caking. You can't be, I can patty cake, roll them up in the air. I forgot the saying. How's this? Roll them up, roll them up. Throw them in the air. Okay. <laughs> Point number two. You ready? Point number two. Here we go. The word silences the enemy. Now, here's where we're going to get into it. This is just the beginning of this lesson, folks. I hope you are you catching this. If you're watching on YouTube or or, or Facebook, wherever you're watching from, take note. I'm not trying to pick on any denomination. We're just simply trying to go back to the origin and teach how this all originated. And we have to get educated. And we have to learn how to use the weapons of warfare the way God gave us. We are not going to be living life from a defensive point of view. Not so we can be defensive, but we can have the best offense necessary to keep moving forward and watch God move. That's what we need to do. This will help somebody tremendously. The word silences the enemy. When you use the word of God in prayer, when you use the word of God in prayer, it does silence the enemy. It shuts his mouth. When you are fervent, remember, for us, the definition of prayer is fervency. Now, you can pray under your breath at times. And I got to tell you, I am a tongue talker. I do pray in the Spirit. I believe in that, in that that God's given us as a gift. How many of you believe in praying in the Spirit? And I make no qualms about it. I make no apologies about it. God gave it to me years ago, and I understand the power of it, praying in the Spirit. It's not of the devil. It wasn't for the past. It was something that God still pours out on his people today. Now, there are, and, and, and I'm going to tell you that learning how to pray in the Spirit Understanding why I teach a lesson called Born Again that explains all of this, but I will tell you that it is the greatest weapon you'll ever have in your life. And when it's mixed with the Word of God, 
and you have fervently prayed, and your word that just you've allowed God to sow into your heart, the word that sowed in your heart, when it's combined together and mixed together, I'm going to tell you something. It is powerful, powerful. That word has to be anointed. You can read the Bible and quote the Bible, but have no feeling in the Bible or have no fervency in the Bible or have no faith in the Bible, and it is of no good except through meditation. It'll keep you. But God didn't just come to save you just to keep you. God came to give you an assignment to advance you, to advance you. This is what Jesus did in the wilderness. The voice of the enemy spoke to him on three occasions. I want you to write this down. Write this down, please, if you're taking notes. I hope you are. Get in your phone if you have to. You have to understand that the conversation may not have been verbal between Jesus and Satan at that moment, but mental, mental, spiritual. A lot of what we face and warfare is mental. He messes with our minds. But here's what I want you to know. Spiritual warfare, are you ready? Write this down. Spiritual warfare is the counsel of the human mind and any spirit, including your human spirit, it is the counsel, spiritual warfare is the counsel of the human mind and any other spirit other than the spirit of God. That's true spiritual warfare because that's why the battlefield is in the mind. But it's when you receive ungodly counsel, ideas, feelings, from another source other than God. Because even your, even your human spirit, your heart can deceive you if your heart's not right with God. That's why I recommend, I tell my kids all the time, you never know what decisions to make in the valley if you've never been to the mountain. You have to push and go into a season of prayer, fasting, and separation, and consecration to get your spirit intact with the Spirit of God, and know the different time, types of you. There are two types of you, one that's walking in the Spirit and one that isn't. And we've all been there. We've all been to a place where we've been led by our flesh, our own appetites, our own lusts. But at some point, you have to shut the voice down, the voice of your flesh, the voice of your human spirit, your own emotions, and learn how to listen to the still, small voice of God. My son shared this with me recently. He heard someone say that the reason why that God speaks in a still, small voice is because God requires proximity. A still, small voice. If I'm whispering to you, it requires for you to be closer to me. And God, in order to hear the voice of God, you must draw closer to God. God is not going to yell it. God is going to whisper it. The question is, are you close enough to hear it? That, that's, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. And so Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 through 11 says this. Again, Jesus took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said, all these things will I give you 
if you will fall down and worship me. See, the, Satan is the God of this world, but we learned in our sermon series, The Good News, that the kingdom of God is given and put in the earth for us to take dominion back. See, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof because he created it, but the atmosphere Satan took over from Adam. And now he's the God of this world, not the God of the earth, but the God of the atmosphere, the prince of the power of the air. But when God sent his kingdom into the world, his spirit in the world, he empowered people that wherever they are, they infuse and they let go the will of God in the earth and take dominion back and take back what was stolen from us. And so Jesus looked at him, and this is what said. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, exclamation mark, for it is written. He used the word, folks. He had it in his heart. He was, praying, he was praying and fasting. You shall not worship the Lord. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only and serve him only. Very simple. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. In other words, Satan came up to him and said, hey, let me give you a shortcut to, to being blessed. Let me give you a shortcut to getting rich. Let me give you a shortcut to have money. Let me give you a shortcut to have, to have influence, to have people like you. Jesus said, no, no, thank you. I know where that ends, and I know where that leads to. You see, there's a difference. After the devil's done using you, he destroys you. He does away with you. He doesn't need you anymore. Promise you something that doesn't even exist. There's one religion that believes if they kill people, they're going to get a certain amount of virgins when they get to heaven. What? Are you kidding me? I mean, they can't even handle one woman. Which, I'm just saying, I mean, you know, that's ridiculous. Isn't that crazy? to trick them to think that if they do evil, they're going to get good, a good reward? That doesn't make any sense. That's deception and manipulation. But Jesus said, you know what? I don't need that. No, thank you. Great is my reward in heaven. I have a greater reward. My father is not going to do away with me. My father's going to sit me with him in heavenly places, and I'm going to reign forever. I've, I may look like I don't have much in this world, but I will have plenty when I get to where I'm supposed to be. Don't ever accept shortcuts. Shortcuts. The only shortcut you can take in the spirit is prayer and fasting. That will cut your time short. I'm telling you, prayer and fasting will actually expedite the will of God in your life, and you'll see more things happen spiritually. It will. So let me finish this up. The devil, then the devil left him, and behold, angels came to begin to minister to him. His help came in. Now, when the devil created a mess in this world, folks, the scripture says it was void, it was empty, darkness was upon the face of the deep. But then the scripture says God came in and said, let there be light, spiritual light first. The sun and the moon were created yet, but spiritual light came into this world and the world was made to be in order again. Then God created. Before God can ever create things in your life, he has to first make sure that you're in alignment with light and there's order and you're surrendered to him. 
before God can advance you and allow you to take dominion. What has really happened here is the fact that God has restored us back to what Adam had in the garden by sending the second Adam and that place in the Eden, what we refer to as the Garden of Eden, we think that, okay, that's in our world. That's where we live. No, God wanted to create the Garden of Eden back here in your mind, in your mind. That's why he wanted to restore the Eden part is in your mind. Out of Eden came rivers out of Eden. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. In the spirit is the tree of life. Guess who the tree of life is? So you don't know what the tree is? You want to know that Jesus is the tree of life, right? Y'all are scared to say it. I don't know. I think it's Jesus, but I don't want to say because what if I'm wrong? Here's my point. Write this down. You must effectively use anointed words. This is so important right here. This is the key. You must effectively use anointed words to destroy the works of the enemy in your life. You must effectively use anointed words. How can you have anointed words if you're not praying in the anointing? How can you have effective words and anointed words if you're not praying in the anointing? So everything you say that's God-inspired has to be released, and it has to work, and that's how you destroy the enemy in your life, in your home, in your ministry, in your community, ultimately in your world, so replace, replace all idle, ineffective words with anointed words. Anointed words. How many of you understand that? You, you all know how to pray. If, if, you, if you haven't prayed that, you saw your mama, you saw your grandmama grand, and granddaddy, you saw them pray before. How many of you have come out of a Christian homes and you've seen your, your parents and you've seen your grandparents and your grandma pray? When they prayed, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, they prayed big prayers. They prayed and they cried out to God. They lifted their voice. They were fervent in what they did. The problem we have in the world today in our society and the world we live in, we have learned how to be fervent where everyone else has given you allowance to be fervent. We won't be fervent in our own right, in our own place, with our own responsibilities. We're only given an allowance to be fervent at certain things like football games, best baseball games, and public. So when we see somebody else do it, now we feel like we have permission to do it. That's why with any political view, I'm not one on politics. I don't believe you ought to share politics from the pulpit, but I will say that's a problem with our society today. We are governed by the strong will of people that believe things that are unbiblical and contrary to God's word because they're more passionate about it, because they're more passionate about what they believe. While the church sits back and says, oh, you know, just forgive them. Oh, just don't worry about it. Hold on a second. You weren't, you weren't designed, and God didn't save you, and God didn't touch you just so you can sit back and not do anything. If you can pray, you can do something. But you got to stand up every once in a while for what's right and be fervent about it. I, I don't know if you're hearing me or not. 
I'm going to say this, and I realize this. The dark world, satanic world, is more organized than the church is. And I'm not talking about lights, camera, action. I'm not talking about picking up an offering and making sure that you've got coffee. That's not the organization I'm talking about. I would rather do away with the coffee, do away with the lights, if this church was organized in prayer and fervent so we can see God move and drive back the works of darkness. It is not about all this stuff. It is about the people being aligned with God. The New Testament church knew how to pray. They knew how to pray together. And here, here it is. If you heard that testimony from Johnny Ramirez, who was an ex-warlock and a satanic high priest, you know what he said in that testimony? He's very well known, by the way. He's been on every uh, religious broadcast. He may not be the most eloquent speaker, but I'll tell you something. This guy knows what he's talking about. He said at a young age, at the age, I think around 10 or 8, 8 years old, he was trained to be a warlock, and from 7 o'clock at night till on the weekends, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, from, 12 at, uh, from 7 o'clock at night till 5 in the morning, they would pray and they would train him. And in the month of October, every witch, every warlock, every high priest on the dark side, they are praying and fasting that the church would shut down, that kids would be taken advantage of. I'm telling you, folks, you can sit there all you want and just ignore it. But this is the problem. You think you're not attacked. Are being, you think you have no involvement with it. You're wrong. Because what they do, they speak specifically over regions and target churches and every Christian in the spirit. And they speak poverty. They speak division in marriages. They speak adultery. They speak theft, jealousy. All these spirits, they tried to release them. The Jezebel spirit and Ahab spirit a Herod spirit, they release these things over the region and target Christians and create a shield to block your prayers. And they pray and fast about it. And here we are. Am I being too hard? But I'm telling you, here we are. Dress up nice. I would rather you come to church and chanclas and shorts and a shirt ready to pray, not worried about getting your stuff all wrinkled up. I would rather somebody come to church in a bun and get here with no makeup and the guys come in your work clothes if you have to, and let's just get right down to business and worship God. I, I, someone said this one time, you can determine the size of your church determined by the size of your prayer meetings. I'm telling you right now, God's fixing to advance us, but we're on the, we're, we've been a target for years. But I'm telling you right now, 
I had a prophet call me one time when we first started the church. I'd come up here every single night and pray on these concrete floors. Nothing here, just in the dark. And I, would, and, I, and I had a prophet call me one time when I was in prayer. And he said, Pastor Bobby, he said, I wanted to tell you that in prayer I saw the principality of this city. There was like a bull that was just looking at you, wanting to kill you, wanting to destroy you because of what you're doing, what God's called you to do. And I can't tell you how many times hell has tried to take my life by sickness. I thought I was going to lose my mind one year. I thought that I was going to lose my mind. And I, spe- I, I felt the spirit of death come into my house three times while God had me in the season of growth. And we've been under so much demonic attack before. My name has been slandered in the city. My name has been in, and don't, don't leave the church now. People have said things about me on Facebook things about misappropriation of funds, all these things, and, and, and people just calling me out, telling me, t- saying that I'm a, a control pastor, control freak, I, I abuse authority, spiritual authority, an abuser of that, and all kinds of crazy things. A season in my life, I was under complete demonic attack, and I didn't know what was going on. My marriage, come here, sweetheart, y'all don't know this. Y'all do not know a thing about what we've gone through, but my wife and I almost were on the brink of divorce. Am I right? Spirits were attacking our minds. We didn't know what was going on. She was about to lose her mind. I was so frustrated. I didn't know why we were at odds with each other. What was going on? And I had to come to church, and we had to put a smile on our face and praise God, everything's good. But everything wasn't good. But we learned the secret, honey. We learned how to pray together. We learned how to speak the word of God. We learned how to praise a family. We learned how to speak God's word, and we recognized what was going on. We don't have those problems no more. Am I right? I'm right. We learned the secret. It wasn't her. It wasn't me. There was the devils that were trying to destroy us because it wanted to help. God wanted to use us to help people get through their problems and get through their captivity and get through their prisons. I learned the secret with finance. I gave. For years I gave and nothing would happen. Then I learned the secret is I'm giving and doing everything right, but I have spiritual strongholds in my life and portals that have been blocked by hell, so I have to learn how to pray and learn how to remove those things. That's a secret to your success and prosperity. <clears throat> if you're in a relationship and you're going through hell right now, you need to take it through heaven. Oh, my God, I have to stop. How long have I been going? The last point, I'm going to leave you this last point. I'm so excited right now, man. I am so fed up with what hell has been doing to the church. Don't play yet. Almost, just sit there. I'll tell you when. Yeah. <laughs> last point is remain vigilant. What is vigilant? That means don't fall asleep. Did you know, did you know God gave me this, and I knew this, but I want to share it with you. Did you know you can still be awake spiritually while you're sleeping? 
See, when you pray before you go to bed and get into the spirit, that means that when you go to sleep, that your dreams and your mind are protected. Because hell will come into your dreams and sow bad seeds. Women, if you're having bad dreams, men, if you're having bad, lustful dreams, I'm being real with you now. If you're having tormenting dreams, it will torment you if you're trying to do right. But women, if you're having dreams that bring insecurity, men, if you have dreams of, of, of things happening that aren't working out in your life, you keep hitting a brick wall, let me tell you something. It's because God's not in your sleep. You gotta infuse, you gotta let it be infused. You gotta go to prayer. You gotta read the scripture. You gotta stay constant because when you lie your head down to sleep, God doesn't sleep, he stays awake. He stays awake. And so you must be vigilant. Above all, remain vigilant in your prayers and meditation because you are armed with these weapons. You are armed with things that can make a difference. You can rest assured that although the enemy will attempt to exact himself on you, you can go into every battle with the knowledge like 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Now, Thanks be to God who always leads us into triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Women, do you have diffusers in your home? Guess what? The Holy Ghost is telling us, the Word of God tells us, you are a diffuser. You give off a fragrance. You give off a sense. And there's some things that won't come to you because you will repel it. You will repel it or you'll set the atmosphere wherever you go to be an influencer, to be God working in your life. Indeed, no weapon formed against you can prosper according to Isaiah chapter 54. As you begin to receive the revelation, folks, as you begin to receive understanding, we pray that, that as Adam was ushered into the Garden of Eden, that your mind will be restored by the Spirit of God, and you have the favor of God in your mind and in your heart, and you, he'll let you enter into a wealthy place in your life, a life of prosperity, not just with finances, but in your relationships. Your relationships will prosper. Your business will prosper. Your finances will prosper. Your prayers will prosper. Everything in your life will begin to move. But it doesn't fall on cold Christians. I'm telling you, get back on your knees. Get back in the spirit, get back into your rightful place. You may feel like you've been broken. Let me read you Psalm 66. This is a psalm that actually refers to uh, Israel. They think it was Israel uh, when they were in captivity to the Assyrians. And then they felt broken, but God brought them out. And the scripture says that you sent troops to ride across our broken bodies we went through fire and flood, but in the end, you brought us into wealth and great abundance. In other words, God isn't going to leave you where you're at. God didn't bring you into this place so you can die, so you can quit, so you can lose everything. God is allowing you to enter these things to be broken so his glory can flow in your life and the anointing will come. The anointing comes through brokenness. 
But at the end of the day, you're going to end up in a wealthy place, in a place of prosperity. Somebody say, I am blessed. Say this with me. Are you ready? Repeat this after me. Say, I declare that God will bring complete victory in the areas that the enemy has had a stronghold in my life. My mind will be like the Garden of Eden prior to the fall, a place of peace, a place of serenity, saturated by the presence of God. Come on, somebody receive that right now. Somebody receive that right now. I'm closing. I'm closing. And listen, we got one more confession we're going to make together when we stand together in just a moment. But I'm going to share this with you. Even if you felt like everything has been lost, God will and can restore. How bad do you want your restoration is the question. Will you continually sit down and do nothing about it, or will you begin to put God first and seek him first and be serious about this thing and realize, I mean, some of you are great fighters. I'm telling you, you've got some tenacity, but it surprises me that you haven't even taken the fight to hell. I wouldn't put up with it. I didn't put up with it. We don't put up with it. Neither should you. I am no longer going to become a captive in a prison. See, when I do nothing, that's what hell wants. And you think just because life is good for you, your freezer's full, your fridge is full, you got a nice house possibly, nice car, whatever it may be, business may be going well, that's it, and you're comfortable, that's exactly what hell wants, for you to be comfortable and feel like, okay, I must be saved because everything is well. No, 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 no. You're good and your hard work paid off, and that's wonderful. And Ecclesiastes said, that's the fruit of your reward. But God never told you to stop praying. Because while you're relaxing and while you're ease, while you're in ease, uh, uh, your family is becoming captive. Your children are getting addicted to alcohol and drugs. There's things going on with your friends, with your family. Disease and sickness is taking over and taking your family's life. There are things that are happening. People need to be saved that you know. People need to be set free. People around you need to be given liberty. I'm telling you, you don't do anything. You allow the advancement of darkness in your life. But you and I have been given the privilege to walk under an open heaven in our life where the kingdom of God reigns, where your king steps into your environment and every place he goes, he wins the battle. Every place he goes, he brings us into victory. Every situation, opportunity, when it arises and brings up its head, Jesus will dominate. Jesus will cause you to triumph and you will be victorious in him. Listen to this. God restored Job, Job 42 and 10 through 13, and the Lord restored Job's losses. Does anybody need their losses restored? Come on, somebody. Does anybody want their losses restored? It can happen. Make up your mind. It can happen. But listen, the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. In other words, when he took his eyes off of himself and actually prayed for those that were accusing him and forgave them, 
the first principle to spiritual warfare is you must not have unforgiveness in your heart. In order to be restored, you must forgive. And you must forget and not hold it against them. Job prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then all of his brothers, all sisters, and all those who had, had been his acquaintances before, you see, they left him alone. No one wanted to mess with Job. They thought Job was in sin. They thought he was wrong. Then God restored him, and they came to him, ate food with him in the house, and they consoled him, comforted him with all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon Job. And each one gave him a piece of silver and a ring of gold. And now the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life with more than he had from his beginning. I want you to repeat this after me. God, I will have more from God in my life in the latter years of my life. Receive that right now. God's going to restore me. Now the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life with more than he had in his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and ten, three daughters. Almost said ten. Ten kids all together. Three daughters. Amazing. Amazing. I want you to stand to your feet this Sunday morning. We're going to make a declaration. We're going to confess this stuff. How many of you got a hold of something today? We're not trying to scare anybody, and we're not even trying to put anybody down. But I have to be transparent and share my heart with you and share what God wants you to know. The Scripture says that God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And when you get the knowledge of God and you put this into practice, all of these lessons and sermon series will mean nothing if you don't put them into practice. Don't take my word for it. Take the word of the Lord for it. Are you ready to make a confession here? How many of you are ready to make a confession? Raise your hand. How many of you believe what we've been talking about so far? I want you to confess this and to repeat after me like you mean it from all of your heart. Are you ready? Say it after me. In this season, my relationships are being healed. My gold is being restored. My money is coming. My latter end shall be more glorious than my beginning. My possessions shall multiply. My family constellations shall have a second chance at life. And I will have an encounter with God of a second chance. Come on, say it. I will have an encounter with the God of the second chance. listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.